0: Are you in search for the perfect health insurance? Well, look no farther because they are the ultimate platform that revolutionizes the way that you find, enroll, and manage your health coverage. HealthBird offers an innovative solution that is tailored just for you. They have a lightning fast search engine that you can effortlessly compare health insurance quotes in milliseconds. There's no more tedious hours of browsing endless websites or spending hours on the phone with insurance agents. They offer a user-friendly app available on iOS and Android, which puts the power of managing your health insurance right at your fingertips. So again, you know, don't let the complexity of health insurance overwhelm you. Join HealthBird community and experience a seamless intuitive platform that puts you in control. So get a quote today at healthbird.com forward slash dealmakers. This episode is brought to you by BUPOS. Attention entrepreneurs, are you ready to take your business aspirations to new heights? Allow me to introduce you to BUPOS, the ultimate solution for finding and funding your SaaS and subscription-based business acquisitions. With BUPOS, you'll experience a seamless and worry-free process. They offer flexible funding and require absolutely no personal guarantee. I mean, again, you can go there, you can explore over a thousand opportunities pre-approved for financing, ensuring that you invest in a business with true profit potential. Bupos has got you covered. Their team actually provides one-on-one advisory support to help you making informed decisions. And on Bupos, you got to remember, they've already approved over 700 million in funding and they've written over 3,000 businesses, financed hundreds of successful business acquisitions and have an impressive 4.7 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot. So you should go to bupos.com forward slash dealmakers, and that is bupos as B-O-O-P-O-S dot com forward slash dealmakers. All Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dealmaker Show. So today we have another repeated founder. We're going to be learning about the good stuff that we like to hear, the building, the scaling, the financing, the exiting, and you know everything in between, and then also what to look for in co-founders, what to look for, in investors, you know, all this different stuff that is going to be very, very, very good and and very handy for you all as you're all building your companies. So without further ado, let's welcome our guest today, Henry Kim. Welcome to the show. Nice to meet you. So originally born in San Francisco, but you did jump quite a bit between San Francisco and Korea. So uh, give us a walk through memory lane. How was life growing up?
1: Yeah, so uh, right after I was born uh, in San Francisco, we moved to uh, Korea, and uh, you know I don't uh, you know remember all those early years because I moved back to San Francisco uh, when uh, I was three years old. Uh, but you know ended up uh, going through my uh, entire you know early education uh, in the Bay Area, and then ended up going to uh, college on the East Coast uh, to get a different experience. Uh, uh, and then, uh, after that ended up joining a, uh, investment bank, uh, as an analyst, uh, in the M&A group, uh, to get that real, uh, you know, kind of financial training, uh, and the, uh, the background of, you know, I, I, I had a liberal arts education. So I wanted to make sure that. Uh, you know I had that kind of real life uh, business experience and uh, ended up going there and
0: and quick question on that because I mean the uh, investment banking experience you know is is really remarkable you know it really helps you understand in taking a look at the at the pattern or w- of what makes some companies be successful, other companies be not so successful, and then also on the deal making side no, what what really takes to to get deals done so I guess how was that experience for you on what what kind of like lessons did you learn along the way on all those different fronts?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, so banking, we, we uh, you know, because I was working with uh, retailers, uh, you know, what we primarily looked at was uh, you know EBITDA cash flows, and so it's slightly different from technology, right? Because technology, you know, you uh, you know get the the venture dollars and you burn cash for a period of time and before you become profitable, so. In banking, what we uh, you know kind of focused on was EBITDA, and then also uh, unit economics. Uh, If uh, you know what's what, what you know really uh, the the biggest lesson I got there was, you know, at some point uh, very quickly uh, you have to figure out if the unit economics work, Uh, and this actually translates well into technology because you do burn cash in the beginning. If you can't figure out uh, uh, positive u- unit economics and, you know, re- like using uh, real facts, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, your own data, uh, you probably don't have a viable business. And so that was the biggest lesson uh, in banking is, uh, you know, achieving profitability and, uh, and, and you know, getting the, getting the unit economics on the right side.
0: Now, in this case for you, after you had this experience, you know, you went into taking a look at uh, buying franchises. I mean, what what was that? What was that experience?
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, this was like right after banking. Uh, The thing that I wanted to do was get hands-on experience. And, uh, you know, this was in, uh, you know, early, uh, there's a late 90s, early 2000s and, uh, you know, the only opportunities where you had where you can actually get your hands dirty were those types of businesses. Most technology companies uh, you know I didn't have a, a background in, in uh, getting venture capital and all that. so uh, what I wanted to do was get hands-on experience of owning my own PNL. And so uh, looked at a couple businesses uh, that were that you know I can probably purchase myself uh, and I can get uh, you know a note where it wasn't too expensive, uh, you know a few hundred thousand dollars. And so I ended up going into franchises, learning a lot there, uh, you know, ended up, uh, the, the franchise I ended up buying was uh, called Dairy Queen, uh, which is, an Orange Julius, which is owned by, uh, the entire chain is owned by uh, Warren Buffett.
0: Very cool. So obviously you you pushed that uh, for a bit and, and, and also you you thought that it would make sense for you to um, kind of like shift gears and and get your MBA. So, so why the MBA?
1: Uh yeah so I didn't have a uh formal business education because you know like I mentioned I went to a, a small liberal arts college in, in Maine uh Bowdoin College and so uh you know I, I was an economics major but a lot of the, the the business side of things uh you know I didn't have uh, a formal background in uh even though I had training in banking you know there were things that I wanted to learn uh and then also you know obviously you go to a a, a school like uh, Stanford uh, for the network, uh, and so it was a it was a good experience, and also it's uh, it was a good you know kind of time to reflect on what you had done up until that point, and uh, you know what where you want to take your career.
0: Now, one thing that uh, really stands out for me is the fact that when you go to Stanford and you see the land of innovation, you know you yeah. see all the uh, incredible founders that have come out of there, and and the incredible stories, and then also the, um, the, the, the people, too, no? that, that you go to class with, I mean, the network that you built, many of them, you know, are essentially graduating and then they start their own companies. You know, in your case, it took you a little bit because, you know, rather than starting your own company, you went into, back into corporate. So what, what, what was the thought process there?
1: Yeah, so I actually ended up going back to Ukaipa, uh, uh, which is a private equity firm that I worked for before uh, business school. Uh, you know, I, I don't think I was ready to start uh, a company right out of uh, business school. Uh, you know, there were things that, you know, I had to understand, like, you know, how to, you know, f- on the financing side, I know a lot of people say, if you have a good business idea, just go and do it. I had s- some ideas. I just, you know, I, I didn't, uh, you know, I needed to, uh, work with entrepreneurs. And so, uh, at the time, Yucaipo was starting this global opportunities fund. Uh, primarily investing in um, uh, in Asia, so Korea, Japan, China, and India. And uh, what I thought would be a good next step is helping to open up an office, so you can see, you know, a lot of the operational stuff. And it, it's, it, you know, a lot of it is paperwork, right? Like opening an office, getting a lease, you know, all all those sorts of things. And so, uh, you know, at, I think it was after that where I came back and said, okay, look uh you know have some ideas uh was ideating and uh was ready to to to
0: start a business so then when you got uh, you know started with symphony you know what what really made it you know uh clear at that point for you that uh, that you were ready you know what 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 felt different at this point with symphony
1: yeah so i think uh and and people always say this i think it's uh you know the fact that i had uh, a good co-founder uh and you know as my uh stanford business school uh roommate uh first year and so uh you know i think he he a- had actually started a company coming out of uh business school and so uh and he's you know very entrepreneurial uh being able to uh found a company f- uh with him and learn from him uh was you know i think uh, pretty vital uh to uh to to and, and you know it it gives you you know, I don't know if comfort's the right word, but it, it gives you, uh, I, I guess, like, you know, sense of security. Like, if I don't know it, you have somebody who's actually done it before uh, probably knows it.
0: Tell us about going at it, you know, going at it with symphony. You know, like, how was, you know, the, um, the process of really getting started, you know, like, putting things together, putting the team together? You know, what were the early days like?
1: Yeah, so, uh, you know, it was, you know, like, you know, most businesses. You have an idea. Uh, you know, we uh, we started the business. It was a slight pivot. Uh, you know, we didn't end up where we thought. So, we, when we initially started the company, it was a uh, a pricing mechanism for independent uh, uh, brands. So, brands that you know didn't get mainstream attraction into uh, uh, you know big box stores uh, that were primarily selling online. And uh, it was a system where uh, you start with a certain price, and the price would actually go down, and you would let the consumers uh, figure out what the market price is. The clearing price was, and uh, you know that was a business that we ran uh, for for a little bit. But what we realized was you had to dump a ton of marketing dollars in there to get customers onto you know your website. And so while building that business, we uh, ended up developing a number of relationships with independent that were uh, selling uh, on, uh, you know, on, on, Symphony Commerce. And so we did some investigation and uh, gradually, uh, you know, learned that, you know, the reasons for, for working with us, it had a lot to do with the infrastructure. Uh, it, it, not as much on the marketing side, but like the infrastructure, like, you know, we took care of the cart. We took care of inventory order management uh, as well as the fulfillment side, and so that's where we pivoted our business and said, "Hey, look, uh, here's why these independent brands operators are working with us." Uh, you know, working on the marketing side, it's you know we're just going to bleed a ton of cash with customer acquisition. Uh, so let's go more into a uh, an infrastructure company, and then ultimately. While doing that, uh, you know, we ended up working with uh, larger brands uh, like the Pepsi's of the world.
0: So then, let's talk about the um, the business model here of Symphony. How what was the business model for the people that are listening to get it, and how are you guys making money there?
1: So what we did was we provided the entire infrastructure, and we took a percentage of the sales. So uh, you you know, we made it very easy to get started. There was an integration fee, uh, and you know uh I, I think at the time it was like fifteen percent of sales. And uh, you know, that was that was our business. You know, essentially uh, the, the analogy that we use back in the day is uh you know during the gold rush a lot of people were coming to California to 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 find their gold. And uh there were a lot of people that left with no gold. But the people that actually did well were the people on the sides of the road that were selling the 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 shovels and the picks. Uh, and so, essentially, that's what we were doing. Uh, you know, we laid the infrastructure uh, and enabled uh, brands to sell direct to consumer, and we took care of everything. It was a turnkey solution.
0: That's amazing. So, uh, so then, in this case, you know, how did you guys go about capitalizing the business? Uh,
1: so, you know, at the time, because my uh, co-founder, this was his second company, uh, he took the lead on that side. Uh, I helped, but he took the lead on that side. And so, uh, you know, we, obviously, you know, the traditional met with, uh, uh, you know, had the unit economics, pitch deck, uh, ended up, uh, you know, getting introductions to a number of VCs, uh, you know, pitched, and then uh, ended up getting the financing.
0: Yeah, because the company prior to its acquisition uh, by Quantum Retail, it was close to 60 million. So, um, good stuff. So, I guess, uh, what, what is it like to uh, have a company that you've co-founded go through an acquisition? You know, like in this case, it happened.
1: Uh, I mean, I think it's bittersweet because like, I think when you start a company and especially if, you know, it's probably different for, you know, kind of different entrepreneurs, but if it's your first one, you know, you have, you know, people are probably more romantic about uh, when they start a company and, and where they want to end up. And I think, uh, you know, putting myself a uh, number of years back, thinking through that, you know you probably want to you know run it forever uh you know it's 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 your it's it's your baby it's your you know your your oldest child and uh and you know after uh after that you know kind of experience, you realize that okay look you know uh you know when there's a beginning there's an ending uh you know regardless of what it is right even if you start a company and you know you're the co founder at some point you probably there is an ending at some point and uh you know I think it becomes uh you know easier the second time uh but i but I remember at the first time it was i think it was bittersweet
0: so what kind of visibility does it give you uh to make it easier for the second time
1: i think it's the experience right i mean you you know it's a it's a it's a uh, ultimately it's a business uh and uh when you take on investors you know you, you know that they're they're coming in not because um they want you to run it for i mean they need an exit <laughs> you know and so you know that's the mindset right i mean it's uh at, at some point you have to uh, get a return for your investors uh and uh, you know i, I think it just be like very pragmatic about it um uh, i think that's uh, uh you know it's, it's it's your baby until it's not your baby
0: hey guys so pardon the interruption here so i gotta tell you that feel free to send me an email at alejandro at panteraadvisors.com and we would love to take a look at helping you out. So obviously, you know, you definitely got uh, some really nice lessons learned, especially around people, especially around picking co-founders, picking investors. So I guess uh, as they say, once an entrepreneur, always an entrepreneur. So swiftly, you know, the idea of swiftly comes knocking. So Walk us through how the idea of Swiftly came to mind and then how did you go about, you know, getting the band together?
1: Yeah. So, uh, so when I was exiting uh, Symphony Commerce, I was getting a lot of calls from supermarket execs that I'd worked with in the past uh, when I was at Ukaipa, And what they wanted help with was their digital strategy. Uh, and when you dig into it, it was more around the e-commerce side. And, uh, you know, the thing that, uh, you know, what they said is like, look, you're working with uh, these uh, brands that sell through our, our supermarkets. They're obviously able to uh, make the unit economics work. You know, is there a way where, you know, is, is there something that we can do? And when you dig into it, you know, so the supermarket industry, you know, kind of two to three percent net income margins, six uh, to eight percent EBITDA margins. It, it's very hard to run e-commerce. I mean, there, they're, you know, some people call it the ultimate penny business because it's all on volume, right? So if you think about it, if you sell, if if you buy you know a hundred dollars worth of of goods at a supermarket and uh you know somewhere between six to eight percent is the cash flows, you know, not 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 the best. Uh and so after getting into it, uh what we realized is okay, look, you know, e-commerce probably the traditional e-commerce probably doesn't work. Uh, but is there something here where we can actually help accelerate in store? And so, uh, you know, at the time there were, I, I was, you know, in my last company, uh, you know, I was working with uh, my co-founders today, uh, Sean Turner and Karen Ho, and uh, they had a uh, a desire to start their first business. Uh, so they they were where I was uh, in at, at Symphony Commerce. And so what we, uh, and, and the other thing, the the critical thing there is like, we knew we worked well together. Uh, and I think that's the, the the thing. I think sometimes people make mistakes because they just look at a skill set and they say, okay, look, you know, a technical co-founder, they're going to do something that I can't do. But there's, you know, kind of if you, when you peel back the, the layers here, there's so much more than that, right? Because you can't just treat them like an engineer and just like, hey, go build what I tell you to build. They have to be bought in, uh, and and this is like the the most important thing when you when you uh, you know take your your co founders. I think you know kind of healthy debate on the direction you go is is important, but you have to be you know you have to pick people that you know number one you trust, and you might have disagreements, but like when you commit, the, when the team commits, you all commit and you go towards that north star, whatever whatever you guys committed to. And the thing with uh, Sean and Karen is we knew we had that uh, because we worked together at Symphony Commerce for over three years. And so th- that, you know, like a lot of times when you start a company, you know, startups are riddled with, with risk, right? I mean, like, you know, is it product market fit? Like, you know, are you going to come up with, is going to do this? But like, you want to get some of those early things, you want to get th- those early wins, right? And I think that's a lot of, on the people side. Uh, because you don't want to be bickering with your co-founders while you're trying to achieve something that's like already impossible to, to achieve, uh, uh to begin with. Uh, and so that's how I picked, uh, to, to, you know, I, we, I, I can't even say I picked, we all picked together, uh, to work with each other.
0: So Swiftly, how are you guys making money with Swiftly?
1: so essentially you know our pitch to uh, brick and mortar retailers is we will turn uh, a store into uh, basically a mini google uh, that's probably the best way to look at it uh, this whole notion of like retail media has ended up uh, you know becoming uh, a huge buzzword before it became a buzzword. We were actually, you know, and, and it's not something that we decided to, uh, you know, we, we weren't looking at that at when we initially started the, the company. Uh, but ultimately, uh, what we did was we provided a uh, a retail platform where brick and mortar retailers can use our tools to turn their stores into a mini Google. So when people are at home uh, browsing, searching, making a list, uh, the the, the brick and mortar retailers are able to make money. And what we do is we charge a, a one-time integration fee. Uh, and we're actually moving away from that. We're actually using third-party uh, SIs to, to do that work. Uh, and then at a high level, we just take a, a rev share on the advertising. Uh, and uh, that 's what you know uh, uh, this whole notion of uh, retail media is, and so um, you know, essentially uh, they 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 work on our tech stack and and from the retailer standpoint, they save a tremendous amount of i, I would say overhead and headache. so uh, Grocers that we 're working with you know we hear this time and time again i 'll give you one example. They had about twenty engineers before uh, working with uh, uh, with Swiftly. And today they have one and a half engineers because uh, we provide them the entire platform. And when I say the entire platform, it's uh, the retail platform, the analytics platform, the analytics platform. Think about it as Google Analytics for in-store. And then the third is uh, the advertising platform. Uh, And we're gradually getting to a place where it's self-service.
0: And how much capital have you guys raised to date for Swiftly, Henry?
1: Close to uh, $200 Uh, and and that you know I would say like you know we're very fortunate because uh, we raised the last round uh, in September November of last year, kind of when the market was a little uh, was a little shaky.
0: Good timing. Good good timing. Now now you were talking about things to look for when. That you were looking for certainly, and that your co-founders were also looking in you. You know, when partnering up, what kind of things were were you also looking for when you know looking at onboarding those investors? Because now this was your second rodeo, you had learned, you know, interactions and dynamics. You know, with board, with members, with investors. So what were you looking for when when you were you know raising money from from these investors?
1: Yeah, so uh, I'll answer that question starting from the seed round, and I think it's it's important. Uh, so um, you know, we, in, in the seed round, we wanted to work with people that we had uh, that, that, you know, there was some, uh, you know, experience there before uh, where we knew we can work well with each other and we can be honest with each other. I think, uh, you know, in, in the last company, and I think this is human nature, like, uh, it, you know, as an entrepreneur, you know, you, you're always optimistic. Uh, and so when you uncover a problem, you're still optimistic, right? Right. Uh, you know you need to have that trust to know like hey look you know we're we're all in this together even though you know typically when you have an investor you do sit on different sides of the table right you're a, you're a common shareholder the investor is a preferred shareholder uh uh from from an economic standpoint but we wanted people to that you know we would th- they would give us like completely unfiltered uh, uh feedback uh in how we were doing but also help our business and when i say help our business. It was people that had experience in the industry uh experience uh with supermarkets experience with brick and mortar retailers so when we came across a problem, it was like second nature it wasn't like they were looking at a different industry and trying to say, Hey, look, here's what's happening in this industry uh you should apply it here so that that was number one, and so that was like you know very very helpful then going forward uh what we did what we ended up doing uh was just meeting with investors along the way, uh, and what I mean by that is, um, uh, we weren't raising money. Uh, you know, we had a lot of uh, capital, uh, you know, in the bank. But what we said is, you know, just like uh, uh, you know, investors really vet the, you know, the management teams and the founders. We should do because we want to make sure that we can work well with the investor. And so it was when, when it came time to raise, you know, kind of the series B, series C, it wasn't, Hey, look, we're going to, it's time to raise, let's go in the market. We had already had, you know, kind of six to eight months of conversations with these, uh, with, with, you know, with the investors. So we knew the, the investors that, you know, we wanted to target. It doesn't mean that they were going to come in, but, you know, all along the way, uh, you know, they're not on our board, but what we were showing them was, hey, look, here's what we're looking to achieve. Uh, and then when we would get there, you know, I would have a meeting and I'd say, hey, this is what we achieved. We fell short here. We, we actually did well here. And so by the time, you know, it, it's time to raise money, they feel comfortable with us. But we also feel comfortable with some of the investors, like their approach, their approach to solving problems, all that stuff. Right. And so then it'd be, it's, it's much more organic. I think it becomes like much tougher when you say, Hey, I need to go raise capital. And because I'm, you know, I have like 12 months of runway, then you're sitting there thinking like, okay, well let's, you know, let's go with the, the, the people that's going to give us the, the best term sheet and all that. We actually didn't take the best term sheet. We, we, you know, at the, the, the co-founders, we got into a room and we said, Hey, look, here's the pros and cons of these investors. These are the ones that are interested. How should we, you know, how, how you know, How should we move forward? And, you know, we discussed it and then we would move forward. Uh, But by that time, it wasn't like, hey, look, let's just maximize on the value of the company. And the best part is we are our seed investors were also aligned with that. It was who's going to help you guys build the biggest business because valuations in the short term. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything unless you're exiting. It's it's I almost call it like a vanity metric. Right. Uh, you look at companies today that were valued at like 39 billion. They're going public today for like 10 billion, 13 billion. So it doesn't really matter. You have to, you know, you have to actually create value. And you also have to pick investors that's going to be uh, 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 very direct with you. Like, hey, look, you know, you're not doing this wrong. And 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 it, by the way, you have to, have, you have to respect that investor, right? Think about it this way. Do you listen to people you don't respect? you you probably don't you know and so it 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 creates a a a negative um uh you know kind of environment and so all those you know kind of characteristics go into you know uh who you're going to pick as your financial partner because your financial partner is also a co-founder they they're in the room with you they when you have a problem you want to go to them and and they you know and they you you want to pick someone that wants to be in the room and you want to pick someone that you want in the room uh and and I think that's the critical thing
0: so now, when when you raise this money, you know you also have the uh, the scaling, you know the scaling, you know uh, mentality, the scaling uh, requirements, and uh, and obviously you know like when you think about scale, you got to think about people again. So when you think about people, and when you think about when to bring senior executives and how to do so, what what does that look like, and how the experience you know has been with swiftly doing so?
1: Yeah. <laughs> So on on that side, I I think if if someone were to ask me, hey, you know, where where do you think you had you know a little bit of hiccups? I think it was on that, Uh, and the reason is, uh, you know, what you know, the 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 entire uh, you know conversation we had was like, hey, look, you know, you got to bring in people that uh, is uh, you know going to be a fabric of the company. The culture is important. You have to make sure that you work well with them. When we started to look at scale. We uh, there was a you know we over-indexed on experience, and uh, you know some of those earlier folks actually didn't work out because uh, it, you know they didn't mesh well with the team. Uh, we looked at like most people you know we were we we're, we running you know 110 miles per hour, and we said okay look we need to bring in people that's done this before. Uh, And so that's, you you know, you tend to over index on that. And then it doesn't work out because you have different philosophies, or it's it's a different culture. And so, you know, you have to take a step back. And this is where I think our, you know, once again, uh, our board and our investors, they were, uh, you know, uh, very direct, but also sympathetic, because they've seen this before. And uh, in, on the, uh, you know, hiring executive side to scale, that's one area where they uh, had a lot to say, but ultimately they said like, hey, look, it's your decision. And, uh, you know, we looked at, we looked a lot at pedigree, right? And so then once we started, uh, you know, have, having a couple of those hiccups, uh, you know, our board, they said, okay, look, you know, uh, you guys have done very well up until now, and we needed you to learn this lesson, uh, which was awesome, right? And they said, okay, look, you know, now what you need to do is you need to figure out it's not just the, the, the experience, it's who's going to be at the table, who, where you're going to be able to speak just like you do with us. Uh, it's not just experience, because a lot of these people have experience that translates well into, uh, it, that can translate well into your industry. And so uh you know, we ended up uh you know six months ago bringing in uh, someone from BCG, a partner at bcg um, and you know and I, and I, at the point at the time, I was like very hesitant, you know, SVP of operations and strategy, and our our board and, and investors said, like, look we we've." Talked to a bunch of people. He's he's the right one, and I I still had a little. And and I knew he was the right one from a a a culture perspective. And I had a little anxiety because I'd been on the banking side, and banking and consulting have this connotation where they they point out problems that, but it's that that's what their job is, right? They and but like when you point out problems, it's usually the management team that comes in and solves those problems that they're pointing out, right? And uh, you know, ended up saying like, look, he checked all the boxes except. What I prioritized the first time, where I, I had, where I over-indexed the first time, which was the experience part of doing this for other companies, he was phenomenal. F- f- six months phenomenal, to the point where you know, now we're uh, you know, promoting him to be uh, COO. His hiring was impeccable also. So he, he brought in another partner at BCG who had supermarket experience. Then he brought in an engagement manager from, uh, from BCG. And then he brought in a post MBA from uh, uh, BCG, and I asked our investor, and he's like, "That that's why, because these guys are professionals. They find problems, and if you find the good ones, they'll help you solve the problems." And then on the uh, 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 chief people officer side, uh, you know, we had a um, our, our investors. They uh, they suggested somebody, and uh, same thing. She had a small company experience, big company experience. And, uh, but the the key thing there was um, uh, like everyone in the company, like, you know, during the interview process, the executives said like, Hey, look, she's, she's the one she's going to help us solve these problems. And I mean, she's been, she's been incredible, like putting in the, the, you know, helping to foster the right culture, helping to, uh, you know, uh, make the employees like valued, well compensated you know, all that stuff, putting in putting in the different processes for promotions, all that. And so I think it's, it's, it's very important that, you know, I think experience is one part, but they they have to mesh well with your team. Don't over-index.
0: I love it. So now, obviously, you know, we're, we're talking here about, you know, some of the lessons that, uh, that you guys, you know, have learned with this. So I guess uh, in line with this, you know, if I was to put you into a time machine and I bring you back in time to that moment, where you were thinking about doing something of your own, you know let's say you had the opportunity of right before symphony, of having a chat with your younger self and give your younger self one piece of advice for launching a business. What would that be, and why, given what you know now
1: uh, <laughs> you know I would say uh be honest with yourself uh you know and 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 what what I mean by that is when you decide to you know i think um uh when when you decide to start a company, like I, I think I mentioned this earlier, you know, a lot of people do it like uh, you know, they, they, they want to go into business themselves. Uh you know, they they look at what their friends are doing and they say, hey, look, you know, they you know, these people started a business. I should start a business. And I think what's important is uh starting a business is not for everyone. Uh you know, there there were times after I started the first business where Uh, you know, there was, there was some doubt, uh, and it's not easy. And so what I would tell, uh, you know, my younger self is start a business for the right reason, not because your friends are starting a business, not because you, you read in the papers that, you know, and the right reasons are, uh, you know, you're, uh, you know, solving something that you're very passionate about and that, that doesn't already exist or, you You think you can do it a thousand times better than the way than than the way it actually is, and something that you're no matter what you're going to you know you can't because you know when you raise all this money, you know you have to have this mentality where you're going to make it work and i think you know I think a lot of people say uh and, and I, it's probably a cliche right I'm going to do whatever it takes to make this work, right There's levels to that. You know, there's, uh, you know, you have to be ready to go out on your shield. Like if you start a business, you have to make sure that you're going to, you're, you're going to do, you know, go to the end to, to make this work. And that means, you know, pivot. That means, uh, you know, the, your, your leadership, you, you might have to fire your friends. Uh, you know, there's, you know, my dad you know, back in the day when I, when I told him that I was starting a business, here's what he told me. He's like, you should rethink that. And I said, why? And he said, here's what's going to happen. You're going to have no money. You're going to lose all your friends and you're going to lose all your free time. Every single one happened in in my first company, every single one. And that's what you have to, you you have to be prepared for that.
0: That's very profound, Henry. So, um, for the people that are listening now, that would love to reach out and say hi, and perhaps you know learn more about Swiftly. What is the best way for them to do so?
1: You know, they could uh, email Henry at swiftly.com, and that's 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 me. And um, uh, you know, my assistant goes through uh, you know all the emails, so they all get read, and uh, you know she she'll you know print them out.
0: Amazing. Well, hey Henry, thank you so much for being on the Deal Maker Show today. It has been an honor to have you with us.